Hello, and welcome to the e-commerce source podcast. My name is Andy Solhoff. I'm here with my friend and business partner, Tim McDougall. Tim, what is up today? Uh, keeping my energy up, ready for Q4. Just trying to try and get because it'll drain you. Q4 yep. is going to get you, but uh, we're we just finished Q3 today as we record this. It's October second, right? We're officially in Q4. Officially in the rough season of e-commerce, the the big sale season, but also the one that will wear you out. So yep, yep, got to be bringing a lot of that good energy here because we are right at the beginning of uh, this holiday marathon. So yeah, we got a uh, we got a lot to talk about, and I think. The biggest thing for right now is uh, sort of recapping e-commerce happenings over the last oh month or so. Yeah, we we usually do a monthly recap, and we did not do a monthly recap for August. Um, but we do. This is a recap for September, then with a little bit of August thrown in as well. Um, of just what are the biggest stories that we're talking about that in the e-commerce world internally here within our shop, but also with our partners and out in the community. So. Um, Let's kick it off. Let's get, and we have, so as, as a preview though, we have stuff about FTC lawsuits. We have stuff about, uh, we have stuff about Amazon and Shopify becoming friends, friends. again. Uh, we have obligatory, we have to throw a lot of AI stuff in there at one point because every press release has AI in it and you can't avoid talking about it. We tried to roll them all up into one. Um, and a little bit about TikTok shop as well, among a bunch of other things. So Let's jump in. Should we talk about the FTC lawsuit yeah, first? I, think, I think that's probably the most important thing to at least start. I don't know that it's super impactful for fourth quarter of this year, but it is a kind of a big deal. It is. And I'm fine leading off with this because it was with all of our partners that I talked to, it was the first thing they wanted to talk about on every single call. Um, so if you haven't heard about it, but if you're in e-commerce, um, you likely have. But the FTC, uh, along with 17 different state attorney generals, sued Amazon uh, for illegally maintaining monopoly power. And this lawsuit has, it's been rumored for months, maybe a year that it's coming down and it finally came down and uh, it's going to go on for a while. This is, this isn't one that's just going to go away fast. Um, One of the topics I hear a lot from people, and this is maybe mainly for people who aren't following as closely is this is going to be about Amazon's breakup. They're going to break up Amazon. What's your take on that, Andy? Oh, I just don't think I I think it's it's too complicated to break up Amazon the marketplace. I think you could break up Amazon the company into different pieces. Yeah. But. Well, well, here's my question on it though. So the suits about the uh, illegal monopoly power of the marketplace. And if you're talking about breaking up Amazon, I mean you could say we're going to take Amazon web services and that spins out separately from the marketplace. That does nothing to address right. the topic of the suit, which is which is about the marketplace having monopoly powers, right? Um, and I don't know how you break up a marketplace. You just have Amazon one and Amazon two. It doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me to break up the marketplace. Yeah. Um, so that could happen, and we don't know what's going to happen. We're not the legal experts on this. But for everybody saying the automatic responses are going to break it up, like AT and T broke up or something, I don't see how that. I don't see a practical way to do that that serves the purposes of what the lawsuit is. Unless the goal is just to punish Amazon, <laughs> uh, then you can split out web services, whatever else. But um, I just don't see how that makes sense in service of the purpose of the lawsuit. I think there's some other things that will happen, though. Well, and it's one of those things where it's like, hey, we know there's a problem with this whole marketplace thing. So we're going to file a lawsuit and then uh, like figure out the details later. Yeah, there's a little bit of like that. Well, there's a little bit my, here's where my, I think there's some real things are going to happen first, but I think my skeptic hat goes on when 
these 17 attorney generals, a lot of them are up for re-election. <laughs> um, and a lot of them, uh, so skeptically, um, a lot of them, I think, are using this as a, I'm looking out for local business. Look, I'm looking out for, I'm looking out for businesses in our state. I'm joining this lawsuit against Amazon, right? And that's, if you want to win some points with local business leaders, yeah, and you're an attorney general running for re-election, this is a good lawsuit to be a part of. Um, so I, I, I'm skeptical that some of it's posturing from that. And that's why so many of them joined in. Yeah. Um, and that's why you kind of see this happening that way. I do think there's a couple real things though. When I talk to, um, like when I talk to our partners, I think one of the things that they, they get really wrapped up about is, uh, the buy box. Yeah. And, and, uh, well, I was, well, let me start first. I was focusing on private label, which I think one of the outcomes is going to be Amazon's going to exit private label almost entirely. And they've really exited a lot of, they've, they've kind of sent the signals this year that they're already exiting private label because they know they're going to lose on that. Do you think they're, they're exiting private label or is that a potential place where that Amazon would be able to, uh, and, and as, yeah. as I'm not having, as the younger generation is not having witnessed the AT&T breakup <laughs> yeah. too we'll young, way, way back. too young. Yes. Um, that was for phone, Danny. That <laughs> yes, was a, back, back when we had like phones that people <laughs> talked on that right. were wired to the walls. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> yes. So is that a, if they were to, to sort of separate those things out, would, would Amazon basically sell that aspect of the business so that all well, Amazon third-party private is, label is, would be a separate company? Uh, or multiple no, companies? What, what people are talking about separating the marketplace out, they, they do point to the AT&T model. And AT&T got broken up into all the baby bells for those who weren't 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 <laughs> alive maybe during this <laughs> alive um, but no. so that was yeah. your you had a national phone company got broken up into regional phone companies you could do that because phones were geographically based right um and this is a little bit of the you know proclaiming that the internet is a series of tubes kind of stuff about saying well you can just break amazon to regional marketplaces you really can't it doesn't work that way but with with it's as the it relates, internet <laughs> as it relates to the private label side of those would, would they basically just take every amazon oh. basics and they're and they're you know yeah, and the private label break those out as separate companies? if you asked me when this whole started i thought they would sell off the private label brands uh-huh. instead it looks like they're just exiting a bunch of them um, and so they exited all their apparel and uh all their apparel except for like an Amazon Essentials, I think, line and their furniture lines earlier this year yeah. or, or announced they're exiting. They're kind of winding down their inventory, I think, right now. So you think that that Amazon is was at least attempting to kind of get out ahead of the lawsuit by saying, hey, we're getting rid of these things. And then maybe yeah. one potential aspect is they might just sell out of part sell of those getting ahead. Part. And part of it is. If you look at the lines that tend to have a lot of inventory accumulation yeah. that you don't want to get stuck well, with. Right. Right. Furniture and apparel are two, right? I mean, uh, on the face, you go, "Oh, well, you're getting rid, getting rid of these that are probably yes. not profitable and not great for your business." I, Ooh, I, look I, at you. I think Congratulations. there's something to be said for they might they might know they they might need to exit all of these yeah. private label lines and the ones where they can't just clear out the goods where they could be stuck with inventory or apparel and furniture, and that's why they got out earliest mm-hmm. um, and and just kind of shut those down and are winding those down first. But I think that's one where Amazon is going to go in and say, yeah, we're, we're prepared to give those up. And so, that's one of the ones where uh, that's, that's been the focus on the floor of Congress has been you can't own the marketplace and also be a seller on the marketplace and then give yourself an advantage yep. by using customer data and being able to use pricing data and give yourself, predom- give yourself priority placement on search 
which do things that violate your own terms of service service yeah, to so make more sales for yourself. Yeah, that's been there. Now the wrinkle in that's going to be, and I think where Amazon's defense comes in is says, okay, then fine, we'll take ours away. But what about all Walmart's private label brands and Targets, and the grocery stores all have private label brands, by the way. Mm-hmm. In fact, every retailer and where retailers how they're going to position it says has private label brands. We're no different than anybody else. Ours are maybe more successful, but. If you go through Target, there's a huge, a huge portion of their sales is their own private label right. brands, right? Um, so I think Amazon's defense is going to be like, okay, we'll give those up, but you got to go look at those other guys too, yeah, right? And it's going to be really hard to put a legal line that says oh, it's not okay for Amazon to do this, but it's okay for everybody else. That's what I'm kind of interested to see what happens there. So I guess your net takeaway on this is, I mean, this is probably a positive thing for independent sellers that oh, are, all because, of our partners are overjoyed if they get out of private label because right. the big fear is that you launch a product that does well then amazon copies it and launches it under amazon basics and cuts the price and wipes you out I mean, mm-hmm. we've had products that we've worked yep. on that that's happened to and so with that part you know nobody we work in the nobody we work with would be sad or shed a tear to see the amazon private label lines go away the one where i actually got a, caught a lot more heat uh, in people's responses about what they thought about the lawsuit, right? As I was asking them, was about buy box control. About um, and one of the very specific ones was Amazon forcing you to use their fulfillment service to maintain control of your buy box. I mean, that if you're a mm-hmm. seller that li- wants to wants to fulfill yourself, and a third party comes on and sells your product, puts it at FBA, they're going to take the buy box, and you're going to be shut out of sales. Yeah, and. Or um, that's material, and that's a point of anger. Although that one, I I, I sympathize with all of our partners that um, feel pain in that way. Although Amazon's going to have a case to say that's just a better deal. If somebody's going to get it in two days versus getting it in seven, we're going to show them the two day right. one, right? Because we Amazon all else equal, it, it's a better deal for the consumer. It's a better so. deal for consumer, and we're more likely to convert as Amazon on it, so it's pretty defensible. But the one that they um, are going to have a harder time defending, defending. <laughs> defending is when they take away your buy box because the price is lower somewhere else. Yeah. And so that's the one where uh, reading some of the legal backups to this, that's the one where um, I'm, I'm hearing at least early on analysts say Amazon's much more vulnerable there. So where they take, you list a product for 20, Walmart lists it for 19 and then you lose buy box and you and can't you're actually, forced, yes. you're forced to drop price, which, yeah. um, it is kind of you know can be argued as some kind of form of price control or collusion that's outside of the 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 retailer's control. That's going to become a major sticking point too, and that's one that I also think everybody we work with is overjoyed about about right. not having to watch every other marketplace out there. Well, and and yeah. somebody somebody else goes and lists your product for sale uh, for a deeply discounted price on some website, and Amazon picks it up, and then all of a sudden you can't sell it because something completely outside of your control. And so, yeah, I mean, that oh, makes... and we've had incidences and Dana, who we had on from uh, Dino a couple, a uh, couple weeks ago, we actually went through this on one of, one of her best sellers, right? Mm-hmm. Best seller on Amazon, sold it to Walmart too. Walmart, it was sold as a one P so vendor, um, product. Walmart just dropped the price through the floor through lower than cost, right? That caused, and, and Walmart watches the Amazon sales data. We know this. Yep. And that caused, us to have to drop the Amazon price below cost or lose all sales there, which eventually led to them just discontinuing the product. Like yeah. this was a bestseller. And because Walmart dropped below cost, 
to fight Amazon, they just had to take the product away entirely. Right. And, and you have situations like that that are just kind of dumb. Um, cause you couldn't hold, you couldn't hold a profitable price on Amazon and keep buy box. And if you lose the buy box, you don't sell anything. You don't have any velocity. So it was kind of a, it, it, it was a, there was no way out of it for the seller at that point. You just kind of trapped and you end up, you know, just not reordering that product for next year's cycle. You just let it go out of business. Yep. And that, that hurts. And I yep. think there's a lot of pain felt over that on different lines. Like and I said, think that's going to be a big topic of this. Just stupid. So what are you thinking on timeline on this, Tim? I mean, what do we got another oh, it's six take months, forever. 12 <laughs> months, two years, I think it's, it's going to be, I don't know. Um, somebody may have a better update than I do. I, I always see these things and anticipate it's going to be in the courts for at least a year yeah. on this. Yep. And, and that it'll end in a settlement of some sort, not a, not a verdict. Yep. And oh, so sure. it'll go on until one side figures they're going to lose and then tries to get a settlement and yeah. blinks first, right? That's the way these things work. Yep. And, but that it'll go on long enough for the attorney generals to use it as an election issue, which is, I think, why a lot of them are really involved in this. But anyways, let's go on to the next topic. What 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 do you want to hit next, Andy? We have a, oh. we have more stuff here than we could ever cover during this podcast. So what do you want to hit? I think I want to cover TikTok Shop. I mean, in terms of just uh, announced. Uh, yeah. So uh, earlier in September. Yep. Uh, TikTok Shop for uh, sellers for creators. So basically, you can uh, as a brand, you can go list your product for sale on TikTok as a new marketplace essentially right yeah. tim essentially and we're still trying to because the even tiktok's own site is very confusing on this we yeah. tried to cruise it in fact we tried to look at their site earlier before recording just to make sure you're brushed up on facts and like the menu buttons don't even work and like you click the button on four sellers and it sends you to the page for influencers and um so there's there's a little confusion over this yeah but tiktok's taking it very seriously seriously they have struggled to monetize to the scale of what their audience is, right? So mm-hmm. if you compare their audience size to Facebook, their monetization is much, much lower than Facebook's, for example. And this is one of the ways they intend to do it. Part of me is concerned that there's been many attempts at social selling, like selling right on the social media platforms, mm-hmm. and it hasn't evolved into a really big deal with a few exceptions here and there, but it hasn't. Yeah. Because Facebook's tried it, you know. Well, I think the thing that's interesting interesting about TikTok Shop is that, I mean, there is like a TikTok made me buy it movement that happened before yes. even, you know what I mean? Like people were buying stuff at the recommendation of TikTok videos. So that yes. I, I think that's definitely interesting. I think uh, legitimate user-generated content that is reviews and things like that, that showcases, happens to showcase products can be very influential in driving sales. So it's just an interesting spot. And I, the reason why I wanted to bring it up and make sure it's a topic that we covered is because moving into fourth quarter, you know, I don't know that it needs to be like a key key thing for your business or for your brand. But at this point, it's so early in testing it. And, and my assumption, if, if the backend admin piece of it is as clunky as the front end website portion of it, it could be rough to try to implement. Um, but it could also be a great place if you're the type of brand that is a good social proof type of product is to start getting your resources, videos, uh, creators in line so that you can sell your products through TikTok shop. Because like you said, Tim, the audience is big. I don't know that they have the 
sort of conversion mechanism to drive yeah, the audience the sales. is big. Their conversion on ads hasn't been as high as they'd like it to be. Mm-hmm. They haven't been able to sell ads for as much as they'd like to. Um, and we'll see. This is this is. I, I I think they're rushing it a bit, but I think they're rushing it so they can be out for Q4 in the holiday season. Yep. They have tested. It's not like they're just they're just winging this thing and throwing it out there. I mean, they have been testing it internationally. It's been in other countries before the U.S. This is the U.S. launch, and they've been testing it a little bit in the U.S. too. So it's not like they aren't they aren't trying to kick the tires and make sure it works. Just our experiments early on, trying to dig into it, were messy. They are doing a. And I, I'm tr- we're trying to get more details in this too because it was a press release and now we're trying to get the actual how does it work. But they are subsidizing Black Friday discounts for sellers. So if you're on there on TikTok shop and you know subsidizing discounts as high as 50% what, what was in the press release, right? I don't know what that means. Like yeah. you discount half off and they're going to subsidize that more. I, I don't know quite what it means that they're subsidizing it yet. Yeah. But it's a pretty aggressive play. Um, and what they wanted to sell $20 billion this year and they're just launching now in the u.s so um <laughs> in three months i'm sorry it's 20 billion globally so the oh, u.s okay. has got to be a part of that but yeah but you know they're trying to go in there aggressively and move a lot of product through there um i'm also seeing confusion too about oh is this only tiktok stuff is tiktok the right is tiktok the retailer and i have to be a, a wholesaler and vendor to them first or is it because if I, if it is going a, you could be to, there as a seller although it's, it's right. somewhat confusing and not answered easily in their right in their site right well, and I'm saying because we've gotten that question poised to us, and the answer wasn't super readily available, right? Yeah. Previously, I think Amazon, or excuse me, TikTok was testing the connection for TikTok Shop based on just the products of brands that TikTok owns. So there was some owned brands by TikTok that were available for sale, and those were tested, I believe, in in China and some some other countries, and then. Yeah, this is a definitely an interesting development and you know, we'll we'll see how it goes and again, I think if if you're the type of brand that has good social proof content, if you're the type of brand that has, you know, maybe some decent growth on on TikTok and you're selling products, absolutely something that should be on your radar for for the fourth yeah, quarter. What I what I think we're going to see though is a lot of people say, "Hey, I want to be on there. Can I get on there for Q4?" And the response would be, you can, but if you don't have the right types of messaging, mm-hmm. like influencer-driven messaging and reviews, then it might not work so well because that doesn't work that well in TikTok's format. And then I think we're gonna what I think we're gonna see is a lot of people say, I don't have time to set that up for Q4, so I'm just gonna run ads. Yep. And I think we're gonna see a lot of very ad-looking ads invade TikTok as 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 sellers try and take advantage of this without the right kind of creative assets. Yep. Marketers ruin everything. Mark and marketers <laughs> are going to ruin it all. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Next topic here. We have a bunch of different things. Let, let's, uh, let's talk a bit about, um, Amazon and Shopify, uh, just real short, because we talked about this a little bit in a recent podcast. Uh, but basically, um, you know, a- Amazon and Shopify have really, um, you know this this uh, this makes it hard to say why you wouldn't want to do buy with Prime on your Shopify shop for me. Yep, at least so it used to be. So Amazon was promoting buy with Prime. Shopify said, "Don't use it on your site. It's a violation in terms of service because you're allowing uh, the transaction to happen outside of Shopify, and that's a violation." And so we had many people we work with say, "Hey, why why shouldn't I install this?" It's like, well, because Shopify can shut down our site. So. Um, you know, they're officially saying it, it is a violation in terms of service to put buy with prime on your site. 
Now that's changed. Um, and again, this was Shopify before saying, no, we're going to compete with Amazon. We're going to build our whole fulfillment system. And then in April or May, Shopify saying, oops, never mind. We're not going to do that. Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, we weren't that serious about it. Oh, we only spent uh, <laughs> billions of dollars buying companies that would help us build that system or we're going to sell those companies off. So um, this is, makes it really intriguing because now on, our, on your Shopify store, you know, one of the reasons that your own store is hard to convert sometimes is that the delivery time is longer than Amazon. So we'll have people shop stores that we do and then go to Amazon and buy um, or just not buy because it just takes too long to get there, right? Um, but being able to give customers the ability to use Buy With Prime, they can buy with their Prime login. The product then ships from Amazon. It ships as Prime uh, and gets there in two days. And you're also not having to, you know, manage the internal fulfillment of it. Yeah, I, I think the the slight tweak, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, is that the buy with Prime previously was taking your taking the e-commerce transaction off of Shopify's payment, like Shopify payment, right? Yes. And so now this app, which has been you know, uh, you know, the look, the look at us, who'd have thought that we'd be best buds here between Shopify and Amazon, yeah. is that the e-commerce transaction now is taking place within the Shopify payment ecosystem and you maintain all of the access to the data in Shopify and are able to fulfill with Amazon Prime, which I think is a slight tweak of what the buy with Prime used to be. If I'm, It might if be, I'm, yeah. I if think I'm remembering right it correctly, because the, 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 the reason why, like to your point, Tim, the, that, that used to be against Shopify terms of service is that Shopify outlawed, you know, third-party, unapproved, basically third-party payment processors. So you basically had to use Shopify payments or, or oh, that's where Shopify makes its money, right? They make exactly. their money on the when when people are buying, they take a small piece, and that's how they make their money. So that's why they outlawed it. And so, you know, to a certain extent, it's like, oh well, Amazon kind of agreed to play ball here and said, hey, all these payments are going to be taken uh, via Shopify, and then we'll use the fulfillment network. Well, I think it's a it's a nice. I, I, I don't yeah. know. It's a nice combination. I think the of, biggest win, yeah. if stores, if if you're a seller and you're pre- predominantly on your own DTC, Shopify, then you might not want to use this, maybe. You might be doing just fine. If you've already got if, a 3PL set up, is you're that the same? Yeah, if you're, but if you're, a pro, if you're a seller that you're predominantly on Amazon, but you also have your Shopify site that, that you know, is incremental, but you're predominantly Amazon, this becomes really hard to say no to in those circumstances. Um, and it just, you know, the, instead of having a little small fulfillment operation, just ship everything to Amazon and have it all fulfilled that way. It just makes it that much easier. Um, and it allows you to do, uh, your own DTC without it being as much of a distraction and probably even convert a little bit better. Yeah. So I'm sure we'll find some things in there that we just don't like as we dig into it, but right now it's really attractive on it. Yep. Um, and, and I also, I, we can't talk about this without mentioning the whole Flexport thing that's tied into this because Flexport was one of the partners that was going to work with Shopify. In fact, Shopify bought Deliver. That was going to be their big logistics thing to create their own fulfillment network. They then sold Deliver. When they bailed on that, they sold Deliver to Flexport, which is a big company in and of itself, right? Um, that does logistics and, and warehousing and everything else. Um, Flexport then, when this was announced, then fired their CEO, who was an ex-Amazon guy, of like, uh, okay, this whole partnership with Shopify that we just paid for Deliver and bought Deliver as a big company, 
that's not probably happening right now because they're partnering with Amazon. Uh, the guy they brought in from Amazon, uh, they fired the old CEO, came back, and the former CEO, the Amazon used to work for Amazon, then was CEO for Flexport for a, a cup of coffee, then changed his resume to list Flexport under education, not under job experience, which is which is so petty and hilarious to me, and and, and yeah, perfect. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's definitely been an interesting saga. It'll make for a great uh, Netflix documentary here. Uh, you know, three, five years, whatever. Pretty soon. We'll, I think we'll it's faster it. than that, but we'll yeah, get, we'll, we'll see. Get out there for sure. But, but it, yeah, the whole uh, the out in the open petty sniping is is pretty funny on that. Yes. Let's see here. Uh, minor story here. I, I just covering the the Clavio IPO. Uh, so you know, just going back, we're thinking about e-commerce email marketing five, six years, seven years ago. You know, Clavio was kind of the the up and comer then, but they weren't the the only guy in the space. And now Clavio, I think, with this this uh, IPO in partnership with uh, Shopify and everything like that, just kind of a nice signal of of yeah. Clavio being the dominant force in this in this space. Yeah, and that was on September twentieth. They did their IPO and it was successful. The, the IPO doesn't make them the dominant player. I think they became the dominant player. I mean, they they went from being a one of many choices to being the dominant choice, the default choice a lot of times for yep. for your own DTC site, right? And um, and I think the IPO is just kind of a result of that more than anything else. Yep. Notable though, as I was going through those stories, it was the fir- this was the first uh, venture backed software company IPO of any note since 2021. Um, so there was a drought in that area. Recession hit in 2022, kind of fears of that hit. 2020, we're three years yeah. removed, yeah. So, um, And that put the scare into a lot of these. And I think a lot of people were talking about this more than just, hey, what's it mean for Clavio's progress? But the, oh, our venture-backed software company's back. Um, mm-hmm. Is that kind of a thing again? Because that became, that was super hot. And then became the don't put your money there as an investor. And well, the darlings, darlings all became these venture back direct consumer products company companies. And, yeah. and so the money all moved there. The money's moving which, out of there. It might be moving back into software again. Yeah. Um, so let me do the. Um, I do want to talk. Um, I know we got hit our obligatory AI stuff, but I do want to quickly talk about. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this buy with Prime, but related to that. Um, Amazon did a bunch of things talking that makes it feel like Amazon is trying to be your future solution for all fulfillment. Um, and that'll be interesting. And I'm not sure I like that or, or I'm not sure I hate it. I'm not sure I like it yet at this point. Yeah. But they did a couple of things. Let me just rattle them off. They relaunched or redid improve their Vico software, which is a company, Vico's company they bought that basically competes with ShipStation. ShipStation is kind of the biggest one in that category. But you can use that. You don't have to go be on Amazon to use Vico. You, you can. It connects with Amazon. Um, but they made major upgrades there and lowered their rates and are giving a 5% back kind of in credit. Um, they did that. They also launched Amazon shipping in 15 states. So they'll pick up and deliver your shipments. So this is not stuff you're sending into FBA or sending into their warehouse. Amazon comes to your, comes to your warehouse, picks the stuff up, delivers it. Um, that's very a la similar. A USPS every door. A la USPS or UPS, yep. right? So they yep. launched that in 15 states. Um, I expect that to expand. That's kind of a big deal. 
Um, and uh, again, just all these kind of things combine that with Amazon Prime and everything else. And, and the, you know, you can also now contract out. They announced this at um, at Amazon Accelerate a couple weeks ago. You can use Amazon as a three PL now. So even if you're not a seller on on Amazon Prime, you can use their warehouses. Or if you're not a seller at Amazon at all, mm-hmm. you can still use their warehouse and use them as a full 3PL. It just feels like they're trying to be the entire... I see more innovation in their fulfillment right now than actually in the marketplace, is what yeah. it seems like. Yeah. This is one of those ones where, like, if you would have asked me, you know, the big name, like, 3PLs in the country outside of Amazon as, like, a fulfillment network, you know, yeah, like... uh ship bob and some of these other ones that were like kind of the big ones but i've never heard a, heard a good thing about ship bob ever from anybody who's ever i mean our clients that have used it didn't have a good thing to say losing mm-hmm. product not getting stuff out on time so it's one of those things where you know if amazon's you know ethos is to help you know the small you know consumer this is a great play it fits right in with uh helping pretty much anybody sell product yeah. and get it delivered and and fits in right within their their business model. So yeah, I'm with you, Tim. This is a definitely an interesting it's interesting file. I think the downside is, boy, if you do that, your your business is so tied to Amazon's logistics and systems, you may not be comfortable with so much of yeah. the resources for your business being tied to one company. And that's that's I think a very real uh fear that people are going to express on this. But how how do you manage around that though, right? So so say say Vico or whatever is your three in Amazon is your three PL and they're cheaper by ten percent or something like that. So you're 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 getting the better rates. Like yeah, well that's it's the same thing with the marketplace that people got yeah. into right of like well I don't want I don't want to be so dependent on the marketplace because Amazon can always change the rules. But man, you can your conversion rates are so much higher and it's so much lower cost to sell there than elsewhere. All things considered, yeah, I'm just going to be there. And I think you're going to see people go through the I don't want to have I want to have some diversity in the suppliers I'm working with, but Amazon's deal is so good that it's going to be tempting to put everything in there. Yeah. Um, and we're, I think we're going to see some of that. Um, tied to that, we should mention too, um, so I also mentioned that FedEx announced their revenues and they were down 7% versus a year ago, even though profits were up a bit, which means all the other carriers are getting crowded. Uh, you yeah. know, Amazon's doing more of their own deliveries, which means they're relying less on FedEx and other players. Um, and we're also seeing, though, related to that, so different different issue, but similar, we were always worried about Q4 shipping and logistics issues. And in the last couple of weeks, we've started seeing delays in freight pickup. Not pickup from the docks if you have product coming from overseas. And by the way, if you have product coming from overseas, it's almost too late to get that to Amazon at this point. But for products being picked up by trucks at warehouses that are supposed to go to Amazon, we're seeing a lot of missed dates across the people we work with, a lot of missed pickup dates, a lot of delayed pickup dates, a lot of, um, yeah, we'll, we'll pick this up on Monday. Actually, now it's Tuesday. Actually, maybe Wednesday we can pick it up. Hey, it'll be next week kind of stuff that's starting to cause some fear. And we're also seeing some big delays on at Amazon at receiving. So we're seeing some product get stuck for two weeks in receiving right now, which it seems really early to have those kinds of issues. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of surprised we're seeing this. Early. We saw that this last year, last year, this was a problem and the, and the freight issue became a huge problem. Um, we've started moving for some of our partners, moving to small parcel earlier than we planned. We were going to do freight up to a certain point and then switch to small parcel. 
And I think the move is we moved the uh, the switch date for that up earlier. In yeah, a couple of cases last week. I know uh, that uh, for my clients, what we've been talking about, at least you know this is this is live up to date stuff, right? I mean, um, as of a couple of weeks ago, we did a, a LTL shipment. Um, probably created it around the fifteenth or so of September. We're able to get pickup scheduled pretty quickly within probably a week or so. They picked it up and they were able to to grab it. This is for a client that's on the East Coast. Um, so the nice thing, and we were talking with with our client about it when we created the shipment, was that Amazon now has a shipping platform where you can say, "Hey, Amazon, you're supposed to come pick this up. You didn't, you missed it." And then they were to it was supposed to be coming and mm-hmm. getting it the next day. Are you experiencing Tim where? Like those are just getting like pushed out further yes. and further already. We're seeing that. And and we saw that a lot last holiday season. Yeah. To an alarming point where it cost Amazon, it cost our our partners a lot of sales because they couldn't get goods in. Things just got delayed too long. And then it was too late in the season. And we're starting to see a little bit of that now. And it's it's making us nervous right now. Yeah. Um Yep, definitely something to keep an eye on. Now that end route of of, you know, from Amazon's fulfillment centers to the customer. Amazon just invested a ton of a ton more money into their whole driver and delivery system to make sure that's covered. So I I have less fears about that this year. Um, they put what four hundred forty million dollars into it, or for yeah, to pay uh, drivers more. So they put they put a lot of money into paying drivers more, and it's material. So and they're hiring more drivers, and and there's a lot of uh, movement there that makes it seem like that's not going to be an issue this holiday season. But the freight pickup, getting things to Amazon remains into my my, reco- my recollection last year delivery to the customer wasn't so much an issue right it was just getting the product to amazon i don't remember like yeah, having getting it long to delays amazon. In- um the issue this year is drivers were talking about striking yeah um drivers talking about walking off um and amazon had to invest more to make sure they could and add the, drivers and keep them happy there and the 440 million is the hey let's let's get through the holiday season yeah. together kind of somehow i feel like i have a, a, a i'm like missing a comma in that number but yeah <laughs> but they invested a lot of money uh even for amazon in that system there um let's hit let's hit our obligatory i almost want if we had sound bites if we I like were, if we were cool I podcasters know. and had sound bites we'd have a obligatory ai recap um, I'm going to fly through a bunch of things here because we don't want each one. It would be a whole hour to talk about each one. Um, but one, Amazon invested $4 billion in Anthropic, which is an AI startup. So Amazon continues to pour more money into, into AI. Um, we also learned at Accelerate that Amazon's AI not only helps you write headlines and copy, but it sorts and sets up variations, parent, parent and child variations, which um, that was kind of the one that made me ooh and ah. To be honest, I didn't get, I wasn't, it's nice that they have the copy and headline writer, um, but there's other platforms have already done that. Shopify already had theirs months ago, right? So that felt like more catch up from Amazon, but the sorting and setting up variations is one of those, yeah. oh, that's that's actually really useful and different. Also take into the account that uh, Amazon is also saying that their AI is not smart enough to not violate its own terms of service with generating yes. your headline and copy anyway. So like, okay, great, create a head, a head or a, uh, product titles and and uh, yeah, so we we've said our line is you should treat that headline and copywriting AI from Amazon like a, a like a like a you know a low end VA that you have where it's writing a draft and then you're going to review it and review it because if if the AI writes something that can violate terms of service and it will, <laughs> then your product can get delisted or your account can get in trouble. So review everything with it. Um, 
Flexport, who we mentioned earlier, launched their own AI-enabled supply chain platform, Flexport Revolution. Um, exactly what the AI has to do with it, we're not sure, or if it's just something that's thrown into the press release. But it can manage replenishment directly into Amazon, Walmart Fulfillment, Costco, Nordstrom. So basically, you can take all your fulfillment channels, run them through Flexport with this Revolution product and get it done. Whether it has AI or not, I have no idea. And I don't even know if it's relevant. Um, <laughs> it just said AI. So it we said had AI, it. Yep. so it's in here. Yep. Uh, Amazon is now requiring writers, uh, if they're writing books or anything, it's only those on Amazon, or travel guides, which was the thing that blew up on them, uh, to disclose if they have any AI-powered, generative AI content in their work, or they can be banned from Amazon. That one's nice and interesting. Um, Meta announced its Llama 2 generative AI would be Quote, this is in the quotes, several times more powerful than chat GPT. No details on what that means. Yeah. I have no idea what it means to say right, we're, we're just many times more powerful on it. Um, so we'll see. But I did also laugh because Meta used their AI to do chat, to lure back Gen Z, which if you've been following it, has, does not use Facebook because Facebook is, is dad's and grandma's tool now, social platform, not the one for the kids. So they created some AI chatbots they thought would lure the kids back in, and things were like Bob the Robot, that was modeled after uh, after the character. Uh, what's his name? I'm forgetting the character on the. We'll move on because I'm totally, totally drawn to blank. Yeah, um, you're missing me on Bender. That one. It's modeled after oh, Bender. Yes. Um, from Futurama. From Futurama. That is, thank you. That's where my my I lost show that brain that came cell. Out, I refound it. A future uh, Futurama so, uh, yes. show that came out in what 2000. Yes, yeah, so that was supposed to bring the kids ago. back in, and it didn't. And the kids said, "This this is awful, and it's just annoying." And um, I was laughing because I I watched some of it, and it felt like this is probably also before your time, Andy. But when Microsoft launched Clippy. Oh, I remember as Clippy. Part of, yeah. I remember Clippy. Clippy. That was supposed to be what got the kids into, into Microsoft like, Office. What, 1997? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe? Yeah. yeah it's the mo- one of the most laughed at features. And yeah, this feels like, um, okay, Boomer, <laughs> nice putting your chatbot in there. We, it's it's kind of stupid. Um, also, a bunch of sites have blocked, chat, have blocked the GPT bot that started in August and is continuing in September. In August, 70 of the top 1,000 sites on the web had blocked GPT bot. That's accelerated in September, though I haven't seen an update on it. And that's what GPT bot is, what gathers information to train chat GPT. So we're seeing some kind of fights there. Um, and Google rolled out its core update at the end of August and rolling into September. And then a helpful content update that was in September. And Google is always very quiet about what these updates are supposed to do because they don't want you gaming their system or gaming the content to get traffic. But one of the things that's been talked about the most is that this targets AI generative content, especially not useful content. And what uh, Google's defining as content is if the AI is just taking a rehash of everything else that's already out there on the web and there's no new information on it, that's not helpful content. It's going to hurt your rankings. That's what they've been pretty clear on. Now, if it's AI generated content that actually provides new information and new insight, awesome, great. It won't get down. So it's not the fact that it's just AI generated, it's the fact that they see a lot of AI generated content on the web right now. And a lot of it they view as not good and not helpful and just not, repetitive regurgitation of not value add content. Yeah. yeah. And I think the big update here for me on the helpful content update, I, I saw a lot of people saying that they were getting just smoked by this helpful content update and uh, big changes to the search results pages and things like that. So 
it's definitely worth it if you haven't uh, taken a browse through your uh, through your site yeah. to, to go through there. I'm sure most of the people that are you know of size enough to have this on their radar probably have already done that. But uh, you know, people who are saying that yep. the their site was not generative AI content, but still got impacted by it. Which uh, yeah, I mean, we'll have to see how thing how the dust settles here because we're still about you know two weeks removed from that helpful content update. Yeah, it's we're just seeing the results now. Um, oh, the one, and I, we, I would be remiss in not bringing up my favorite update on AI from the month was that the hottest sector for investors right now is AI porn generators. This was inevitable. This, this a, was going to happen. Yeah, I'm um, shocked by this, that the adult uh, industry kind of jumped in here to, yeah. to make... So uh, it's make Stability their- AI is getting a lot of investment because it is the, it is the tool of choice, apparently, their stable diffusion product is the tool of choice for AI porn generating uh, entities. And that just cracked me up of, of uh, that being named as one of the hottest sectors for investors. So yep. of course it had to happen. Uh, everything, every, everything people invent, there's eventually a, a porn makes its way in, right? <laughs> um, it's like marketers ruin everything. Uh, porn makes money off of everything. Porn, <laughs> porn monetizes everything and it's coming into this too. Um, we're going to, uh, other other quick takes. I, I don't know if there's any big giant ones, but there's a couple things in here I want to make sure we bring up. One is that uh, I did laugh at the Facebook. So Facebook had that massive data privacy lawsuit, the class action lawsuit that's been going on for years. It's finally been settled. Uh, the settlement was $725 million. So if you were if you sent in and said, hey, I want to be a claimant in that, then great, you get paid now. You're going to get paid about 30 bucks. <laughs> that's what Woo-hoo! it's going to be. Um, it would have been It would have been 40 but 10 has to go to the lawyers pretty much is what <laughs> yeah. that turned out to be. So, uh, cause if you divide 17.7 million people filed claims on that. So if they all get paid, it's going to be about 30, $30 per person and 10 of the only people making money are the lawyers. Yeah. Who could have predicted that the only people that would get rich yeah. off of this would be the lawyers. They were, what else, Andy, should we make sure we cover here? Uh, something else. Pages and pages. Yeah. I, I, the other thing, where are we at here? Uh, Brick and mortar, uh, and I think the thing that I've seen or have, have talked with my customers about is that uh, big brands were going off map pricing earlier in uh, Q3, you know, August into September, started discounting products before they typically have in previous years, mm-hmm. which to me generally means that, uh, you know, one, good for consumers because prices are going down, uh, two, not great for different retailers. So if you sell, um, Products that are sold at a lot of different uh, locations might be be tough for you because, you know, if the big brands are going um, off map, they're decreasing prices. It's shrinking your margin on on products, but definitely something to be keeping an eye on because I think what what do we say for the last eighteen or so months, Tim? The uh, overall price index of, of products online has gone has down. gone down. Yeah. yeah. So interesting. That it, this is making its way to to retail stores and um, more, pushing more sales online because you know lower uh, overhead costs yeah. there and things like that. And that's not the only thing in brick and mortar because there were two things that I saw in there that were pushing brick and mortar that were weren't good news for brick and mortar sales. Right, uh, one was that uh, so retail shrink, otherwise known as theft, in the stores and shoplifting. Um, it's called shrink. If you work in the retail industry, they'll call it shrinkage, but it's it's shoplifting and and stolen goods. Um, a bunch of stores, like Target, particularly closed a bunch of stores in urban areas, saying they just couldn't control it anymore. And they cited, which is a big kind of 
Bajian's story, which is organized retail crime of, you know, sending in a bunch of people at once into a store, overwhelming store security, a bunch of stuff gets stolen and going out and it's organized and put together well. And uh, Target said it could, it tried a bunch of things for the last year to fight this and it was not successful. It's just closing a bunch of stores. It, it can't operate and profitably because too much stuff walks out the door. And that was coupled, that story was then piled on by a bunch of other retailers saying, yes, they're also closing stores because they can't figure out how to fight retail crime. Um, and their and Target's thing was, we're just going to focus on those communities. We're going to serve by selling more stuff online because it's harder to steal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was interesting. And the other was a report by e-consultancy um, that came out right at the very last day of August, but talked about how more B2B companies are comfortable making big purchases online now than ever before. And that's also pushing down brick and mortar some, to some extent. They don't feel like they have to go there in person. They're more comfortable online. So those, those two things were interesting of just the whole ongoing dynamic. Brick and mortar had a bit of a renaissance after the pandemic, the peak of the pandemic ended because people came back to stores. But now we're seeing some reports that say, actually, you know, yes, brick and mortar went up for a little bit following people wanting to get out of the, wanting house. To get out of the house. But now the overall kind of long-term trend of more things moving online is now dominant again. Yep, yep. I think that's what I got, Tim. Anything else on, on your, your radar? No, just small things like uh, Visa and MasterCard are going to raise their interchange fees in October. They're expected to do that. So keep a watch for that. If you're a DTC seller, if you're selling on your own site, that's going to affect your profit margins some. Um, and, oh, the one last one I did want to bring up. Um, I did want to bring up this. Hey, dude. Can I talk about Hey, dude? For a second, yes, because hey, dude. So hey, dude is a uh, comfort shoemaker. They're one of those. Heck yeah, they're one of those kind of mainly online brands, right? Um, online direct consumer. They had to settle. Uh, they got sued by the FTC. So we started talking about an FTC lawsuit. We'll finish talking about an I FTC like it. one. I like it. They had to settle for one point nine five million dollars. And this is just a great. Like at first, I was like, hey, dude, hey, that's a pretty good name for a company. I kind of like that. Then I looked through what they did, and it's just this is a this is a classic. This should be the case history of what not to do as an e-commerce company, right? So they misled customers by deleting negative reviews. So if you left a negative review, delete it. Delete it. Make the reviews look really good. Just delete all the negatives. Um, if customers needed a refund, they wouldn't give you a refund. They'd ship you a gift card. So a gift card only good at Hey Dude, right? Hmm. That's, that's Don't do that, by the way. <laughs> if you're a seller, do not do that. Um, and then... When they po- jumped a bunch of money in there to sell a bunch of ads, they sold, they had more orders than they could fulfill. And so they didn't tell customers that we're having shipping delays or we're not going to fill your order. And some customers, they just couldn't fulfill, period, and never told them. Just like, hope they don't call us kind and, of stuff. Well, let's just yeah. hope they forgot about this order. The, sh- the shoes aren't that expensive. Uh, you know, yeah. maybe that. You know, Got a little bit crazy. Buy- you know, we just lost a line in the spreadsheet. We lost, you know. Oh, I'm so sorry for that. Lost the email. Sorry about that. Yeah, so it's just it was just a comical thing of like, I felt bad. Here's a here's a company trying to grow and gets a one point nine one point nine five million dollar fine, but the don't, stuff they did was just dumb. Don't do that. <laughs> don't Look do it those up. things. Yep, yep. Well, uh, I love that as a close for us. Lots of good stuff. Always so much going on in the in the e commerce space, and hopefully this was a nice recap for you. So thank you, Tim, as always. Uh, And thank you to you, the listener. We will catch you again next time.